Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You're listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. I'm Dr. Julie Kroll. Hey, imagine this. What does it mean to consciously bring forth the evolving human, and an awakened world. Today, we're going to explore a spiritually motivated way of life that embraces the ancient wisdom traditions of East and West and embodies the belief that consciousness is infinitely creative. I love that, don't you? I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as we explore this infinite creative potential that we're talking about. While I introduce our guest, Dr. Barbara Fields, she's the Executive Director of the Association for Global New Thought and Awakened World Conferences and Film Festival. She's the co-founder and project director for the Gandhi King Season for Peace and Nonviolence, program director for the Parliament of World's Religion Centennial Celebration in Chicago, co-founder and project director for the Synthesis Dialogues with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, and I can go on and on. There is so much more. She's an incredible person. She's also a contributing author of several books and has written numerous articles and publications, and it's my joy to bring on today Dr. Barbara Fields. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Julie, and everybody listening. It's it's my pleasure to be here today. Oh, thank you. You know, I I love so much of what you are doing on our planet, and your your energy, your essence is so important for us now. And I can't wait to dig into this show. We have a tradition, Barbara, here on our show. So I'm going to start with our our perennial first question and ask you, Dr. Barbara Fields, what does all things connected mean to you? <laughs> I love the question because when you were introducing the show and, and we were taking a minute to, to, to connect with each other, I was thinking to myself, I love the title of this show. <laughs> hmm. And here you have asked me about it. <clears throat> you know, um, it's a subject that I've been thinking a lot. Well, it, it's not so much about thinking because it's not quite so linear as that. But on my mind lately, I have been thinking about nothing but the interconnectedness um, and the the phenomena that are emerging for for the first time in my experience, in such a visible way in our society, and I, you know, I, I think that we could unfold this discussion throughout our conversation today, because it's not an elusive or ethereal concept to me. To me, it's very grounded, not only in the practice and the building of character within each individual human being, and also then reaching out into the connected relationships between and among human beings, but virtually everything that we're creating now today with the hopes of shifting our society, there's a connectedness that is not really explainable on a linear level, meaning the causes and effects are not exactly predictable or proportionate, but so much is 
popping into the culture these days that there's a connectedness underneath the surface that's creating great synchronicity and connections that we might notice if we're being particularly aware, but we can't necessarily predict or manufacture. And, and so to me, all things connected is more or less the foundation or the understory of the way that human civilizations and the nature of reality actually work, and that the, the, the exploration, the fun, the enterprise for us as embodied human beings is to clearly notice and begin to understand how that dynamic really works as part of our society, not as just a, an, an abstract thought in the air. Mm. I really appreciate that definition and, and, and having you talk about that. Because as, as you were talking, I was thinking how cool your words are that really they reflect what you're all about at the Association for Global New Thought. It's like um, your your words are really the embodiment of how I see the association. Maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about what is the Association for Global New Thought? Well, I, I'm not intimately familiar with your audience, so I'm going to speculate that it's somewhat diverse and that there are people out there who have um, heard of um, unity, spiritual centers, and religious science and science of mind. And if you've heard about these individual spiritual traditions, you may also know that the, the religious tradition that they're actually um, a part of is called New Thought, which dates back about 150 years and had it, its roots in this country. It sometimes notwithstanding the Native American tradition, which doesn't really consider itself a religion, New Thought is sometimes described as the uniquely American contribution to the world of religious thought. And it has its history with Emerson and Thoreau and the Transcendentalists and roots in both Eastern and Western thought. But the way it expresses in modern day is uh, an umbrella organization for unity in religious science churches now referred to as Centers for Spiritual Living. And I, I think that the, the little bit of history is important to describe because even in, even in the New Thought tradition, uh, one of its characteristics, which I heartily applaud, has been that they've always been supportive of unique and diverse expression of of spiritual life. In other words, they, they have never insisted that there be one protocol for all of the religious teachings, that if there's creative expressions of new thought, it could manifest as the principles, the specific symbols and language of, say, religious science throughout all these years. And, and unity has a different approach, a different kind of language, Basically, they're based on the same principles and precepts, but there are different ways of expressing people's spirituality, and I think that New Thought is exemplary in that it's always encouraged 
diversity within its own tradition rather than uh, a, a formula or um, conforming to a particular set of principles or rules or dogma. And so when Association for Global New Thought came around, we realized that since New Thought had been doing so well functioning as individual expressions such as unity, science of mind, religious science, divine science, etc., that it might benefit from having a place where the leading ministers from both unity centers and churches and religious science, science of mind centers and churches, could come together in order to, to work on things that would benefit from a unified presence in the world. For example, the explanation I just gave you, it's a little complicated, even for people who understand New Thought, Unity, and Religious Science pretty well. So when you go into a forum such as the one we're about to enter in in October called the Parliament of the World's Religions, which is in Salt Lake City in the middle of October, when we're presenting ourselves as a spiritual tradition among other religious traditions in the world, it, we benefit from having a unified message and Association for Global New Thought is, among other, uh, among other things, we're a way of presenting that unified message on, on a world stage. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that explanation. And, and what occurs to me listening to you is that you, don't, you not only embrace the diversity within New Thought traditions, but you also really embrace that globally of religious and spiritual traditions worldwide. I mean, the things that you're doing to bring your constituents together really affect so many even outside of that. And I mean, just some of the projects and, and things that you've been working on are so universal and, and bring beautiful gifts of, of service and programs and activities and tools and resources to a wide range of audiences. Is, is, that, is that accurate? Yeah, I love that you've done your homework. Believe me, I've been on these programs, and, and um, I, I feel sort of at a loss. It's like it's a one-sided conversation, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate that. You know, um, one of the original charters of AG&T, we were founded back... Um, in 1997, so we're getting pretty close to our 20-year mark, and one of the first discussions among our leadership, some of whom include um, really powerful ministers such as Dr. Michael Beckwith from the Agape International Spiritual Center in L.A., Dr. Roger Teal, who's got the Mile High community in Denver, um, Wendy Craig Purcell is, has a beautiful Unity Church in San Diego, but one of the first discussions that we had was how could we serve to bring the spirituality that we were achieving so beautifully within our spiritual centers, and yet still on our Sunday ser- in our Sunday services and on our Wednesday night, night programs, but how could we walk a bridge to bring the teachings that enriched people's lives when they were attending the center and being part of the community, how could we bring it into their everyday lives so that they became vehicles for bringing 
a more positive message into their immediate environment, into their families, their communities, their workplaces, which, by the way, adds up to the to society in general if taken writ large on a on a general level. And and of course everyone was saying, Yes, we want to be in service of more peace on earth. Well, you know, I've been around this movement long enough to know that it's a noble and exceptional objective. But the real magic begins when you, when you start unpacking what it means to be of service to bringing more peace on the planet. And when you unpack that concept, you, we immediately ran into the understanding that to be directly engaged in issues of reducing violence and the issues of nonviolence, such as, as the work that was most notably exemplified by Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, Cesar Chavez, and on and on and on, that these were issues of justice and equity and resource distribution and respectful communication and religious dialogue and intercultural understanding. So when, when you actually get down to saying, unless you're just talking vision and you're content to stay there, and believe me, it's, it's been a long time that people have been in that dialogue without producing really concrete and measurable results, you really need to back up and look at how you can be as, of immediate, concrete, strategic service when it comes to the issues. And I, I like this quote that comes from, I think it's John Paul II. Um, if you if you want peace, work for justice, and that begins to get at the mission of AGNT, which we often define as spiritually motivated social activism. Which is how do you take these foundational spiritual principles from within and and build a coherent bridge to your everyday practical life and the society that you have a responsibility to contribute to. We've, we've achieved remarkable systemic change within our organizations and within many communities, just really revisiting, paying attention to the root of that question. And, and how do we do that? How do we create this coherent bridge? I love the term spiritually guided activism, and we're hearing we're hearing about sacred activism, activism, you know, the service coming into our vocabulary so much. I couldn't agree more. We've been talking, we've been praying, we've been meditating about all these principles and really in that practice of these universal spiritual principles for some, some time. But there's really this movement toward movement now. It's like it's time for us to take those steps to move into that spiritually guided activism. So, how how do you see that happening in the world? Because I, I think I'm I'm seeing it everywhere now. I'm seeing really beautiful initiatives, incredible conversations, a lot of service going on. What do you see from your perspective, Barbara? I I love that expression you just used, movement toward movement. Now that's 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 a unique articulation for me, and I think I'm gonna think more about that. You know, it, it's it's a flip it's a two-sided coin. On the, on the one hand, it's the very good news. It indicates that there is a, sh- a shift in the wave that's moving forward in the evolution of society, that somehow we've been gathering and garnering our energies 
to create more coherence, more connectivity, i.e., her program, and many other initiatives. Um, however, there's also a shadow side to the idea of movement toward movement. Um, I have, sometimes I joke when I'm, I'm talking to people, I don't mean to be irreverent, but when people talk to me about having another discussion, another dialogue, um, another set of talking heads on a stage or on a phone call, I, I have to admit that my, my impression of that sometimes is that the age of dialogue is over. I'm not saying that dialogue isn't good and that the discussions are not useful because of course they are. Of course they are. They're fundamental to every new idea that comes into play. But to think that that's enough is, in a sense, a kind of a, a dangerous dynamic that, en masse, I hope that we don't fall into because I think it will forestall our efforts toward the real empowered society that we're capable of creating. And by that, I mean to, to listen or to discuss just as we're doing now, of course, it's incredibly helpful. But my feeling is that we're ready now, we're mature, we're spiritually and socially mature enough now to take these discussions and to extract certain practices and principles from them and to, with guidance and resources, but also with our own strategic inner leadership, to create some kind of action right where we are that puts the principles into immediate practice. And I'll give you the best example I can think of as far as AT&T is concerned, that when in 1998 we created this campaign called the Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence, and it was to celebrate the 30th and 50th memorial anniversaries of Gandhi and King at the, coming up those years within a 64-day period between January 30th and April 4th. And we thought, well, here's a generative period of time within, in the early spring that gives people 64 days, you know, this is over two months, where not only can we convene groups, have dialogues, familiarize ourselves with real history, information, um, and workbooks and guidebooks about what's already been written about practices for nonviolence. And then as we study that together, we can determine projects in many communities as to how they actually apply. And in that first year, we, we thought maybe we'd get about a half a dozen cities who might be interested in learning more. But by the end... Of the first month of our campaign, we had 112 cities in the United States and other countries engaged in it. And the reason I think that it worked so well, because um, it was an experiment for us, is because we understood that when people, they have a job, maybe two jobs, they have families, they volunteer in their church or in their community, and yet they still feel compelled to contribute, but they need some support. And so what we did is, using our website, and, you know, websites were not 17, 18 years ago what they are today, we started to post material and even send out hard copies of notebooks and materials 
that actually laid out step-by-step organizers' guides and histories and handouts and volunteer forms and artwork so that people, when they made their own flyer, they could make them look good or stationary so that when they, they lobbied a local chamber of commerce for financial support, in other words, the idea was if you need to get up and running quickly and you've got all these other commitments in your life, the least we can do is give you a toolkit to get out the door and running, and then you are in a position to, to decide what are the unique needs in your own community. Because now that we have had 900 cities and 67 countries in the past 18 years participating in this campaign, we give them a menu of tools and resources, but it's definitely theirs to decide what needs to be done in their unique community. We couldn't possibly determine that, and I think that's where some projects fail, is that from some central hub or some central headquarters, they're sending out one-to-many communications saying, do this, listen to our call, do this program, but it's not a two-way street saying, if you're in Africa, if you're in Cincinnati, if you're in wherever you happen to be, if you're in in an affluent community, if you're in a underrepresented community, wherever you are, you decide the program and project, and then let us know how we can support you, and then we will do our best to do so. So from my perspective, that's what AT&T can do as an organization. From the standpoint of community, it's all about, and I'm going to use your word again, connecting. It's all about finding the people who are there with you who already resonate with your causes, who already are ready to talk about a strategic plan, who are ready to discuss what they need in the community and how they can be of service to it. And once they begin that conversation in earnest, everyone is always surprised at how resources and ideas come in to empower their intention. So this is, this is a question of being spiritually mature, setting clear intentions, there's this whole spiritual dynamic, but the, the spiritual dynamic is met by, by the real-world, concrete, material resources that rise up to meet it as soon as you get that, that community of connection clear. Mm. Barbara, you know what's genius uh, about the story? You were sharing a concrete and specific story that AG&T did that works as far as this spiritually guided activism, the sacred activism of, of really putting our our intention into action here. But the genius that I really appreciate is that you've created a template of what's working and invited that connectivity to just you know, to continue to flush out even more of what's working in different areas. And then you're just really holding a template for anyone that wants to come on board. So congratulations on 900 cities and 60, 67 countries. That, that's, that's just incredible. I love that. Well, you- thanks. It's not that, it's not that every city or every group participates every single year, <clears throat> but that's kind of another excuse me, that's kind of another um, openness, opening, that we discovered early on is that, you know, we had groups that could participate really strong the first few years, and then they had a change of leadership or someone moved away or 
something happened, <clears throat> and they couldn't, they couldn't, maybe they missed a year, or they missed two years. But as long as they were not excluded from the process, we found that people could, would come back and jump in when they were ready to. So the idea of this connectivity is to be taken together. Um, change, change needs to be seen on that global scale. And <clears throat> there's, there's a wonderful um, expression. We call it omni-local because when someone asks the question, what is global anyway? <laughs> global this, global that. What is global anyway? Well, the answer in a certain respect is global is local everywhere at once. And so this is even supported by research and new science and quantum physics, but there, there is no global except if, if you're looking at the way that the entire movement is moving within itself, which means sometimes there are initiatives that kind of come forward and move powerfully into the limelight, and then sometimes you have to look at the places that are sort of moving backward into the system, and either it's for a good reason because it's just a natural rhythm of things or else it's because they need a new kind of support and there has to be a timeout and to figure out what that is. So, you know, I do, I do love the sort of the thinking aspect for me, the philosophical aspect, is to look at how new activism, you know, everyone's calling it something else these days. We, we called it spiritually guided or spiritually motivated back in 1997. But the, the, the deeper conversation has to do with how connection and change really works. So mm -hmm. we're, we're hoping that as we unroll new programs, in fact, after the first about seven years, um, we, we had requests from the field for, of the Gandhi King Season for Nonviolence that all of these task force leaders that had been working on the same project in many different cities over seven years' time, we're saying, well, wouldn't it be great if we could have a chance to get together and meet one another? And uh, we had an event called the Gandhi King Peace Train in 2007 where we rented four of those gorgeous, fun, vintage train cars, and we, we hooked them up to the back of the Amtrak line that ran up the coast of California. And... We invited people to have a conference on the train all the way up the coast. Then we had a conference when we got up to Northern California and a conference on the train coming back where people could have microphones and we had choir concerts and we had, we, I mean, we had a blast. But the, the basic thing is that all these task force leaders who had never met each other before got to get together and talk about their work and what they would like to do next. Mm. And the net result of that activity was that they said, the most frustrating thing is that some of us don't want just a season for nonviolence. We want seasons for peace and nonviolence all year long. And in fact, some of them were operating all year long. They had their own um, 501c3 de designations. They had offices. They had staff. And so we added um, seasons. After the season for nonviolence, we added season for the earth. And then in the summer, we added a season for humane service, which involved 
a lot of humanitarian concerns, um, homelessness, hunger, um, building of schools, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the fall, when we have many other celebrations, such as um, United Nations Day and the International Day of Peace and Global Oneness Day, um, we originated the season for interfaith and intercultural celebration. And mm -hmm. it isn't that people can only do that work during these designated periods of time. The, the, com the message we were communicating, of course, was there's so many ways of creating peace and nonviolence when you unpack the real issues, and they do have to do with environment and humanitarian service and intercultural dialogue. So it, the, the, the program's growing considerably, and, and we encourage an open mind to people who bring in new ideas because it doesn't matter if it looks a certain way. If it works, it's welcome. Yeah, beautiful. Those are some beautiful examples, and I want to give our listeners more information and how they can start something right in their own communities. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about consciously bringing forth the evolving human in an awakened world, and you're going to learn how you can jump into action. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org. And after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the InstaDo. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side. And you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's this helmet thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Hey, Larry, mind if I sit down? Nope. Oh, this coffee tastes like uh, coffee. So what's going on? Not much. What's new? Not much. Okay, but can you please put the newspaper down while you say not much? What newspaper? This newspaper. Oh, dude, what happened to your face? I see one, two, Ow. three, four, five, six. Ow. Dude, what is Ow. this? Eleven pieces of toilet paper stuck to your face? I'm shaving in the dark to save energy. I'm helping the environment. Well, that's a dangerous way to help the environment. Well, sometimes you have to sacrifice yourself for the greater good. Dude, there's an easier and safer way to help the environment without sacrificing yourself. Go green, go public. Take public transportation. It's good for the environment and you won't have to live behind a newspaper. Wow. But for now, put the newspaper back up. A message from the public transportation systems across the country. To learn more, visit publictransportation.org. I'm home where I belong. 
It's always nice to come home. But these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the U.S. government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners. And we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. I'm home. Where I be Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. I'm Dr. Julie Kroll, and my guest today is Dr. Barbara Fields with the Association for Global New Thought. If you like what you're hearing, there's a couple ways you can get involved and find out more information. Go to www.agnt.org. That's A-G-N-T, Association for Global New Thought.org. And you'll find so much more about the programs we've been talking about with peace and we've got so much more to talk about yet today and please visit our website thedrjulieshow.com where you can listen to the archives look for upcoming shows and stay connected and stay connected all week on our facebook page all things connected with dr julie barbara right before the break we were talking about this peace initiative and the gandhi king season of nonviolence and how that really moved through um, the whole year and these different seasons, which is really beautiful. And I know there at AGNT, you're, you're really committed to global healing and you promote this personal transformation, community building, interfaith, intercultural dialogue, interdisciplinary um, understandings and, and activity and sacred activism. And, and I think a lot of compassion in all that you're doing there too. And yeah, I want to make sure that we talk about some of what your vision and mission is, because I promised the listeners we talk about, what does it really mean to consciously bring forth the evolving human? I think we're talking about it today, but I want to give you an opportunity to really address um, what you have put out there um, from the Association for Global New Thought is to consciously bring forth the evolving human and awakened world. What does that really mean? Mm. You know what, I'd love to see your listeners give responses to that question, too, because I think mm. it would kind of take the temperature of um, how we're doing as a movement, what we call our con- the consciousness movement. It's hard to dis- describe who we are as a community, but the people who listen to this kind of show and are doing this kind of work have a pretty strong idea now about what that really means. And I wanted to say that, you know... Um, I was just laughing because my my next-door neighbor, actually, she's been my friend for over 20 years, is a woman that many of your listeners might know by the name of Barbara Marks Hubbard. Um, she lives right next door because when, when that house became available, I, I thought, well, we're both here in the city of Santa Barbara, and it would be nice if, if we had like a little hippie commune here on our block um, because we do work together quite a bit. And everyone knows Barbara's work has to do with conscious evolution. And so this notion of evolution is certainly not limited only to the wonderful work that Barbara does, but I think it's important to note that the evolving human, once again, I 
I find myself stressing this a lot, that one of the things that I think is important is for us to understand that these concepts are not abstract, that it's, it's possible that because of all the wonderful speakers and teachers and books um, and programs and telesummits that are out there, that their, their resource, their communication tool is the tool of conversation and discussion. And so we have beautiful language and ideas and visions around the notion of the evolving human. But, what, but I tend to err on the other side, because I think it's necessary, of saying that let's make this as concrete a notion as possible. And what I mean then by the evolving human has something to do with the human being who is becoming more and more mature on an integrated level. And so the, the standard way of seeing an, a whole integrated human being is we look at the, the, the physical, physiological dimensions. How, what's your lifestyle like? How are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you resting? Are you meditating? How do you take care of the, the precious physical vehicle that is that without which you, you can't do all these other things in the, in the world. Um, how do you take care of your mental, intellectual um, intelligence and maturity? This is a question of making a course of education for yourself, figuring out what it is you need more information about, um, getting learning programs, reading the books, um, but also having an intellectual life within your own self that develops your mental capacities for discernment and critical thinking and understanding um, so that when we're actually ready to contribute actively to our society, uh, I think it's important to remember that there's a lot of information and tools out there that if, if we inform ourselves properly and learn the discernment between what's good and real and, and what's distracting and negative, that we can do a better job based on having the right information. We have, we have an emotional self to take care of, and I think that our, the people in the consciousness movement have spent a lot of time studying what is true and real and productive and evolutionary about the kinds of relationships we're having these days, how they can be more honest, more transparent, more loving, more compassionate. And, of course, the spiritual dimension, which has to do with spiritual practice and spiritual community. So our ability to mature on all these levels as an integrated human being is my, my very grounded, concrete interpretation of the evolving human. It might well be that on metaphysical, um, on fut futuristic um, on technological levels, there are, of course, additional information and interpretations for what it means to be an evolving human. But I prefer to stay with the things that I feel are very useful for our work right now, and, and, and that's, that's the reason that I define evolving human that way. And, and, and the naturally, an evolving human creating an awakened world, well, as the, as the evolving human wakes up on all these levels and, and adopts coherence and greater practices on all these levels, 
there is no real way to shift society except for all the individuals that comprise society to start to behave and be different within that mm-hmm. context. So that I believe it works from the inside out, and it's also a feedback loop, that as we see reinforcement for these new ideas and practices within our society, not only do we create that, we also receive in reinforcement that, that tells us how we're doing and outpictures a world that's changing in a better way, hopefully, or, or is a little off track in some ways. And that gives us more information about how we proceed in terms of our behavior in society in the future. I love that. You know, the information also really can give us courage. I, I like how you were you were talking about the integrated human being and, and creating more coherence and I like to say, and more resonance on all these levels in all that we do in our communities, in our workplace, in our relationships. I had an example um, just two weeks ago. My son got married and I was at a couple shower for my kids. And a woman was was asking me what I'm doing now. And we were talking. And she said, I was just reading an article about the millennials and how they really don't want to work for bosses and they're only going to work for three years or less. And, and she interpreted the article in this really um, kind of a fear-based interpretation of, oh my gosh, this will never work. And it was so nice to just step in there and talk about these concepts that we're talking about here on the show today and in our show every week of, of this greater coherence, this greater resonance, and talk about all the new that's coming in, all these new models that support it, all these new templates, all these new leadership models. And, and it was really a delightful conversation because I just watched her face go, oh, you know? And so all of this information that's coming out on this awakened world, really there's so many beautiful things that we can share with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends, and we just need a little courage. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about your website is there's a lot of beautiful videos there. There's some blogs. There's a lot of good information. And and you're just a part of the movement that's even greater than that. There's so much coming out that we can share just one conversation at a time, like we talked about right before the break, that omni-local is really all of us waking up and being this fully integrated human, really fully expressed, fully integrated human. Mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I love that this is your perspective. And what what you also say it said triggered some thoughts for me about um, the interpretation of the new. Um, this is a very interesting juncture that I think we need to approach mindfully and carefully, because when things are new and sometimes appear unfamiliar or even chaotic, it's it's pretty easy to jump into the the fear mode that that. Your, your friend that you were describing was expressing the other day because <clears throat> people really, um, they, they want to do the right thing. There's no question about it. There's no shortage of goodwill and good intentions in our, in our movement. But when, when all the outside indicators are telling us that things are breaking down, 
I think that our interpretation of that means they might well be breaking down according to the way that things have worked in the past in a model that is older and, and more um, familiar to us. Um, well, the good news is that if, if something is really new, it, the, the old model should be breaking down. That's a sign of health. Um, our president of AG&T, Michael Beckwith, was that we were at a wonderful celebration at the Martin Luther King Chapel at Morehouse College some years back. And he was speaking to an audience. And, you know, what is what I love about Michael is he usually tosses aside his notes or his outline early on and just speaks from the heart. And he was talking about what the new really feels like because it was a very sophisticated, dignified audience of ministers and presidents and leaders and this and that. And finally, he just said, people, if it's really new, it's going to be a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was, that's been my mantra ever since. So my feeling is that if we start to think about how are we interpreting the new signals, the new actions, the new practices that are coming in, and that example with the millennials and the generation now is, is really important because they not only have a right, they have a responsibility to define what their own society will look like. And I think that I remember, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a original hippie. I guess I have to admit to that now. I never really got it out of my system. I've just translated its expression over the course of the past 40 years. And my feeling is that there were a lot of really bad things going on at that time, the Vietnam War, most notably. And if anyone had told me that my world was headed in the wrong direction or that violence and discord was, was my inheritance, I wouldn't have listened to them for a minute because I would have thought, no, I have my whole life to live. I'm not going to allow the mistakes of your generation to rob me of my own future. And so as I, I joined with the thinkers in my own peer group and thought about what kind of society and professional life and personal life and family life and community life do I need to help create that I want to be a part of in order to create or co-create a healthy future which may or may not have very much to do with the kinds of institutions that were available to me in the past that, that didn't look so healthy to me right then. And I think that even more at a much more grand and accelerated pace, that's happening again in our society and that these younger generation folks are saying, no, you know, what, what we're inheriting and what you've created some of it's good and a lot of it isn't working and we don't need you to solve it because in some cases we don't think you can. And so we're, it's our right and our responsibility to invent new systems and new institutions and new practices that will evolve a future that we can live with rather than simply succumbing to the problems that appear to be confronting us on all sides. So this interpretation of the new is really critical for us to be mindful of. It's, 
there's nothing that we can take for granted these days. We, we don't have the luxury. It's all emergent that we have to decide for ourselves if there's a new signal coming in that is useful to us, that we can work with, collaborate with, where, where are our co-collaborators, etc. This, this is, I can't stress enough that the, the new ideas and systems that are emerging now are really our only way through. Thank you for that. I think that is an important message when we're talking about it. And like our friend Barbara Marks Herbert says, breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. And, and we need to make room for that. I, th- I love how you put that into perspective. And it leads me to really a, a good topic to close our conversation with because I want to make sure we get to this. Um, but one of the, the beliefs that AGNT, and I'm going to remind our listeners again, it's www agnt.org association for global new thought.org um, is the belief that consciousness is infinitely creative and i would love to hear the essence of that belief coming from your words today because it's one of my favorites that's what i put out on social media today to introduce the show to our listeners and and spread that around is consciousness is infinitely creative. Barbara, will you speak to that? I love this subject. A friend of mine happens to be in town right now. His name is Peter Russell. Um, I think a lot of your listeners might be familiar with his work. He was the author of A Global Brain, A White Hole in Time, um, From Science to God, etc. And he's one of the most skillful um, alchemists of quantum science and mindfulness, consciousness, and meditation, which I think are, um, they're too often held as separate conversations in our society, but they're, they're absolutely mutually um, enhancing topics. And so we were discussing the nature of consciousness, the nature of the material versus the mystical or the ethereal world, the world of the abstract and the conceptual versus the world of the um, scientific, concrete, measurable, too often reduced to, um, you know, a kind of a two-dimensional materialist paradigm. And because new thought is predicated on one very essential idea, which is that God or spirit, or whatever name or symbolism you give to the sacred source of creation, is not an external force. It's not separate from, externalized from, or distant from me, you, every other individual, every sentient being, every uh, appearance of an entity on the planet. That That this source whatever you might name it, resides not only within you, but is actually expressing itself through you and as you. You are not separate from, you're, you're not somehow secondary to, you actually are that, and everything you do is an expression of that. The, the Hindu tradition has an expression, tatvam asi, which is roughly translated as thou art that, you are that, that is you and it. 
it, and it's and everything is part of it. So this idea of consciousness being infinitely creative is another way of understanding such a vast concept that we can only play around, like on a playground, with understanding these concepts in our in our conversations. But it's a way of saying you are part of that. That is called consciousness. It's not something that is in your brain. It's not something that you create. It's not something that is um, that your brain gives rise to in the old models of materialistic science or reductionist science. It's actually the, the ground or the stuff that is you and you create from. So to, to, to look at consciousness as something that's infinitely creative you, you might say it's creating itself, but we have a unique place within that creativity, which is the, 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 the positive, productive side of our unique self, of our, of our ego, if you will, the, the light, healthy, productive side of our ego, that we're all so unique, and that the way that we express that unified ground of consciousness through and as us is a beautiful and artistic thing. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question completely, but these things are, in, in words, kind of hard to talk about. Uh, I was just, I'm sorry, I just, my computer was just glitching out here. Sorry about that. Thank That's you, Barbara. Okay. I was saying that it is really hard to put it into words, and yet so many of your members are so strong um, in, in their ability to take these huge concepts and to put them into little bite-sized pieces that are so inspirational and, and moving for us. You have so many beautiful voices there um, through Unity, through um, the Centers for Spiritual Living, Michael Beckworth. You know, just, there's, there's so many different expressions there that really help us see the beauty in that concept. So thank you for that, Barbara. Barbara, we just have a minute to close now. And I'm just wondering, um, again, I want to tell our listeners, you can, they can find more about the Association for Global New Thought at agnt.org. And is there anything in this last minute, one quick thing, anything important you want to say to our listeners, if you could have a billboard out there for everyone to see, what might that message be to the world today? Well, AGNT is is in a in a kind of a reinvention period of itself right now because we've actually achieved a lot of the original goals that we set out for ourselves almost two decades ago. And if and what our members are asking for is can the New Thought leadership shed more light on the issues of the world today that are happening in our news that are often given a very negative, sensational twist and demoralize people and, and, and paralyze them with fear. So as we move forward, AGNT is looking at, at programs and processes and resources that we can offer to our members that actually give positions and information about how a more healthy, enlightened, integrated view of how we interact with these world-changing issues and challenges um, can be facilitated. So I'm encouraging the listeners to 
stay tuned to AGNT.org for, for some of those new resources coming in the fall. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected, and Dr. Barbara Fields talking about the Association for Global New Thought. Like she said, stay tuned, and we will see you all right back here next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now. Mm-hmm. 